Hello lovely people and welcome back to the fourth wall. Hi everyone, we've got a great show for you today. Later on, I'll be chatting to West End and Broadway star Kerry Ellis. We'll also be getting the chance to listen to a brand new recording by some of the West End's best. Before we start, I'm going to play a new song for you. This song is written by Matthew Harvey, who is a lyricist, composer and performer, and has also recently been appointed Associate Artist at the Barn Theatre, who also streamed The Secret Society of Leading Ladies that I reviewed last week. The Barn Theatre have released the debut recording of the song Only A Moment, featuring West End stars. Matthew Harvey will be working with the theatre on projects for both physical and digital theatre. His first project being a song cycle entitled Now or Never. Soloists featured in the song are Alexia Kadim, Courtney Stapleton, Emma Kingston, Eloise Davies, Nicholas McLean, Tyrone Huntley and Matthew Harvey. The song also features vocalists Emmanuel Alba, Katie Shearman, Charlie Johnson and Darren Tuff, with Jesse Linden on drums, Laurent Judson on guitar, David Kadamukasa on cello and mixing and additional orchestrations by Sean Green. So let's have a listen. Everybody's holding on. The sound of a subway train. The taste of and cheap. A child holding your hand. We're a family. The night that we miss. Things will fall. Talking on the phone. Holding on to you for just a little more time. Everybody's holding something. Holding on, it's only a moment, a frame in my mind. 
Just beautiful. Details of the song cycle now or never are due to be revealed at a later date, so stay tuned for that. As always, we're going to kick off our show with our discussion point. Don't forget you can get involved in this by following us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and letting us know your thoughts. Our discussion point this week is haunted theatres. I was racking my brain trying to think of what to talk about and I don't know about you but I love a good ghost story. So the theatre I'm going to talk about today is apparently the most haunted theatre in London and it is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane in Covent Garden. So the Theatre Royal is the oldest working theatre in London and although the building as it stands dates from 1812 the first theatre on the site was founded in 1663. Many phantoms are known to lurk in the wings behind its spectacular cream portico. The first is that of Joseph Grimaldi, who almost single-handedly laid the foundations of the pantomime tradition. The exertions of his crafts took a terrible toll on his health, and he was overcome by a crippling disease that forced him to give up acting. By the time he was 40 years old, he was extremely poor, and so a benefit concert was organised at a Theatre Royal. Despite having to be carried onto the stage and only able to perform seated, Grimaldi had lost none of his magic and showed himself being able to bring on laughter at will. Although he died in 1837 at the age of 49, his ghost has supposedly returned many times to the theatre 
and is renowned for his mischievous kick. And actors, cleaners and ushers have all been on the receiving end of his ghostly boot as they went about their everyday duties. One of Grimaldi's final wishes was that his head be severed from his body before burial. The weird request was actually apparently carried out, and this may account for the disembodied white face that has been seen floating around the theatre. Another clown to haunt the theatre is Dan Leno, who is famed both for his clog routine and his portrayal of a pantomime dame. But at the height of his popularity, Dan Leno went mad and died in 1904 at the age of 43. His ghost, however, supposedly refuses to depart from the spotlight and often returns for an encore. Leno suffered horribly with incontinence and used to disguise the resulting smell with perfume. Actors on stage may not have seen his ghost, but can often detect his presence by the smell of lavender in the air. In 1981, during a performance of The Pirates of Penzance, company manager Nick Bromley was standing in the wings one night when he was suddenly violently pushed from behind. But when he turned around, there was no one there. The next night, an actress was standing in the exact same spot when somebody tugged on her wig from behind. Again, she turned around and there was no one there. People passed by what used to be Leno's dressing room, and reported hearing a rhythmic drumming sound emanating from the room. This is believed to be the sound of his ghost rehearsing his famous clog dancing routine over and over again. However, the theatre's most famous ghost is the so-called Man in Grey, a limping apparition of a young man in a powdered wig, white ruffled shirt, grey riding cloak and a three-cornered hat. He always appears during the day and rarely wanders from a familiar route. He materialises on one side of the upper circle, crosses to the other side, where he astonishes witnesses by melting into the wall. In 1939, more than half of the cast of the dancing years who were on stage for a photo call witnessed his ghost cross the upper circle and disappear in the time-honoured fashion. He has reportedly been seen by members of the audience, numerous famous actors, firemen, theatre managers and numerous other staff at the Theatre Royal. He's sometimes also been seen sitting in the end seat on the fourth row by the central gangway of the upper circle. One morning, a cleaner who was new to the theatre and had no knowledge of the ghost encountered him in this seat at 10am. Thinking he was an actor, she set down her equipment to speak to him, but he suddenly vanished. As she looked around for an explanation, she saw the same figure disappearing into the wall to the side of the circle. His identity remains a mystery, although an intriguing discovery during renovations in the 1970s may shed some light onto what caused his ghost to haunt the theatre. As workmen went about their business, they broke into a hidden room behind the wall into which the ghost always vanishes. Inside, they found a skeleton of a man surrounded by remnants of grey cloth and a dagger protruding from its ribcage. It has been speculated that the remains were those of a young man who came up to London during the time of Queen Anne. Having won the affections of an actress working in the theatre at the time, he was murdered by her actor lover in a fit of jealous rage and his body was subsequently hidden in the secret room where it lay undiscovered until the Victorian renovation. Whatever the reason behind his haunting, the man in grey is a welcomed ghost, 
since it is universally acknowledged that he only ever appears at the beginning of a successful run at the theatre. The King and I, South Pacific and Oklahoma are just three productions he has endorsed with his presence, and the long-running Miss Saigon was honoured with an appearance each time there was a cast change. He's therefore treated with affection rather than fear, and his antics, which include pushing performers to positions from where they can deliver their lines to their best advantage, have become the stuff of theatrical legend. We shall have to see if there are any sightings when Frozen opens. Well, I hope you enjoyed this newer segment, and you never know, in future episodes, we may just find out about some more of London's haunted theatres. So who's ready? Because it's time for a game. In Ode to the Theatre Royal, I'm going to play you a snippet of the opening number of a show that has played at the Theatre Royal. All you have to do is tell me what show it is. Here we go. Here's number one. Here's number two. Here's number three. Here's number four. Here's number five. Stay tuned to hear the answers and let us know how many you got right over on our social media pages. Now, I would love to welcome onto our show, Kerry Ellis. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Pleasure. My pleasure. No problem. So just before we get started with our questions, we'd like to play a little game with our guests. This game is called This or That. I'm just going to give you two options and it's like a quick fire round. Just tell me which one you'd rather. Okay, so Netflix or Disney Plus? Netflix. Do I have to say this? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's right. So, 
<laughs> uh, Instagram or Facebook? This. Instagram. Uh, dogs or cats? This. Uh, live action or original cartoons? Uh, that. Yeah, same. <laughs> Princesses or villains? Uh, that. Holiday at home or holiday abroad? That. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the moment. Uh, hot or cold? Uh, this. Night or day? Ah, uh, that. West End or Broadway? Ooh, this. <laughs> live, uh, live recordings or studio cast recordings? This. Old or new musicals? Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just saw that. <laughs> this and that. Good choice. <laughs> Dresses or leggings? That at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> night out or night in? Well, usually it would definitely be that, but at the moment it's definitely this. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. One question that we're asking all of our guests at the beginning of the podcast is what's making you happy at the moment? Well, there's actually a lot of things making me happy at the moment um I mean the biggest one has been having time with my family especially this week because it's been half term and no homeschooling but having time just to slow down and be with my family you know usually I'm here there and everywhere and just you know we our life is so fast paced that actually having a year to kind of step back a bit and go back to basics has been great and we've done simple things like go for walks and go on our bikes and you know at the beginning of the lockdown we were always in our garden and so that's been amazing um and also my my podcast has been making me very happy at the moment keep calm and carry on was born in this lockdown and i'm now on season three that's about to launch in a couple of weeks and i it's been a lifeline for me it's been something that's keeping me creative and keeping me happy so yeah lo lots of things but they're probably the most Good. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I think it's really important at the moment to find things that are for ourselves as well as as well as kind of trying to, you know, keep going. I think finding things for ourselves and keeping our own self-care. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's not been easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so for those who maybe don't know you or don't know a lot about you, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey through the arts industry. Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I, I kind of came from a very sleepy town in Suffolk, um, a tiny little village and, you know, dreamed of being a performer, a singer, a communicator and fortunate to get to go to drama school. I left drama school and travelled a little bit and got into the West End quite early with My Fair Lady. And then I've kind of gone show to show for a good 20 odd years, lots of musicals, lots of West End and Broadway shows things like They Mears and Wicked and Miss Saigon, We Will Rock You, those kind of things. And then also along my journey, I've met um, Queen guitarist Brian May and we collaborate a lot. We do lots of music together, which has given me a music career and we tour lots and do albums. And yeah, I'm, I guess I like to do lots of everything. I do, like I said, my podcast, um, my voiceovers I do my own albums I released one just before lockdown 
Um, and, you know, whatever, whatever is kind of at my door that's creative, I think, is what makes me tick and what keeps me going. And I've been fortunate to have a nice, busy career. Um, even in lockdown, you know, I've found ways to to stay busy and to keep creative. And, and that's, um, yeah, it's, I can't wait till we can be back on our stages and get back out there. Yeah, absolutely. What was that shift like from doing kind of like shows and eight shows a week into doing um, things like your albums and, and concerts and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it happened quite early because I met Brian when I did my first West End show, um, My Fair Lady. I was introduced to it quite early on. So it, it was a slower discovery for me because shows were taking precedent. I was doing big shows for a good 10 years. So alongside that, I was dabbling in the studio, but not not full time. So I think it was when I came out of Wicked that I released my first album, Anthems, and we went on tour. And it was an adjustment because suddenly I had to, you know, choose the songs and choose the set list and choose the way I sang it and, and also be myself, suddenly communicate with an audience without a script, you know, and and come on and be okay with being myself, which again, took took a bit of time. Um, I didn't like the talking to start with, but now I love it. You know, I love communicating with an audience and it is a very different discipline, um, but I'm very grateful for it. It gives me, it gives me variety. And especially like now, um, I mean, before the pandemic, I, I released my own album, or I, I went in the studio and did my own album because I wanted to um, take it on tour with me. I had lots of dates booked and I wanted to go old school and have this product, you know, that was um, that was me and that I'd done and that I could do my own show and then meet people afterwards and, and give them this, this CD, something they couldn't just click and download, you know, something a bit more personable. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit. So I <laughs> I had all these albums. I was like, well, what am I gonna do with them? So I put them in my my office and I said, right, well, I'll just send them out from my website. And I've been signing them and sending them out. And that kind of thing really makes me tick because it's personable. It's it's not it's not done by a big company. It's it's keeping control of of what you want to put out and not being too influenced by anyone else. So those kind of things are really important to me. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that about your about your recent album. I know that you had one, but I didn't realise that it was that was the thing behind it. That's so cool. I love that. Um, so what was the inspiration behind behind the latest album? Exactly that. I was I I'd been I mean the Brian and I had just done Golden Days, which um we got signed by Sony and it was a big deal and it was lovely and a great album. We didn't get to tour it, sadly. Um, because he was off with Queen and I I did a tour I sang some of the songs but we didn't get to tour it as a as a team um, so I guess it had been a couple of years and I thought well I'm gonna go out on tour again and again Brian was with Queen so I wanted to have a new album and I but I wanted to make it personable I wanted to do it differently so by kind of producing it myself and having being my own label allowed me to make all the decisions and it it's been really nice to have, just have something that's unique and that isn't, isn't just downloadable. It's, it, you know, it's a product and you can still put it in your hands and open it and see the pictures and read the stories and stuff. And that was, that was kind of the inspiration behind it. Um, and it's been great to, to sit at home and send them out and I'm still sending them out. It's, it, it, you know, in time I do something new, 
you know, get new orders through and it's, it's amazing. And, and I've sent them all over the world, which has been lovely. And I get to write them myself and, you know, I do put them all in the envelopes and do all of that, which has been, it's been a real kind of passion project and a real personal project. Um, and the music choices were songs that I was doing over the last couple of years at my own gigs, really, or, th- or songs that have been around my life or, or, you know, that it made me tick at the time. So I, they're all different arrangements. So I, I do like a, a version of Ticket to Ride that's a combination between the Beatles and Car- Carpenter. Um, and, you know, all new kind of fresh arrangements, things like um, your song from Elton John and um, Moulin Rouge. You know, I wanted to kind of make it theatrical, but kind of make it contemporary. And I, I feel like it's done that. And I can't wait to perform it and tour it live. I just... Uh, so ready yeah. <laughs> yeah we're ready for it we're ready for it <laughs> so jumping um jumping back a little bit to kind of um your career kind of in the west end and stuff what's been your favorite job or show that you've you've done or one it's really of- hard to choose <laughs> yeah because they're so important all of them are so important and all of them are so wonderful in their own way and have different you know highs and lows about them um so it's really difficult to choose I guess you know whatever you're working on at the time is your favorite because you have to be invested in it um so you know all that's important to me at the moment is my albums and my podcasts you know that's that's and making new music Brian and I are trying to create over you know from being at home which is has been great you know finding new avenues but show-wise I don't know I guess Wicked was amazing because it took me to Broadway and I was the first British alphabet, which was incredible and, you know, made a lot of noise. It it put me on the map in a different way, I guess. But then something like We Will Rock You was very instrumental because it, it I met Brian, I got to create the role of Meat. Um, and that song has changed my life. You know, I've sung that song all over the world with him, without him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they're all, they're all important. Les Mis was a, a, a show I grew up wanting to be in and Cats was the same you know, I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to play Grisabella and I did at the Palladium you know all those years later which I was so grateful for um, because again it was something I grew up watching and then I thought my I'm not the right I wasn't old enough to play it and it wasn't around and then I didn't think it would be around then it came to the Palladium and you know all the stars aligned and I got to play it so you know there's a lot of timing issues and and things that that, uh, kind of um contribute to to your to your career um and they all mean they all mean so much if there's one is there one particular show that you'd love to just go back and do just one one last show of that one um I'd like to go and do them all for one night. I would one because I'd like to see if I could still do them all, and also because you know there it's all the banging songs. If I do a concert now, you know I sing all those songs. I do Memory, I do Limits, I do I Dream to Dream, I do Define Gravity, I do um, uh, what else do I do? A song from Chess. You know I kind of put them all in one show. So I would love to go back and do them all for one night if I could. I'm probably a bit old for We Will Rock You, but. <laughs> I don't think anybody would care. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so who are some of your kind of in your, you know, life theatre wise or just personally, who are some of your biggest influences and inspirations? Yeah, well, I don't know if you can see my wall here. I've got, I've, I've got a picture of Liza. And I remember I grew up like watching Cabaret and wanting to be Liza Minnelli, you know, listening to her sing maybe this time and going, that's what I want to do. I want to be on the stage. I want to, you know, I want to do what she does. Not only does she do kind of movies and musicals, she does concerts and she communicates and she sells albums and that was kind of my my um my inspiration really because she did it all and I think that was for me really really inspiring because it wasn't just one thing um so yeah probably her and then as later on it's been people you know Brian's been very influential my family are very inspiring they heavily support me they're brilliant I couldn't do this without them um so yeah, it's, it's lots of people really. Um, and my peers, you know, they're really inspiring. People that I work with, I just, you know, you get that energy back from, from people and that's why I do it. I like collaborating. I like being in the room with people. I like, you know, being creative with other people and seeing what you can come up with. That's what makes me tick. Is there anything you wish you'd known before you started your career? Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, not, not that I wish I'd known. I think I, I, I would have said to myself, you know, be a bit easier on yourself. Enjoy the moment a little bit more. We're so quick to look at the next thing or to think we're not good enough or to, to analyse things too much instead of just kind of taking a breath and enjoying the moment. Um, so I think I, I would just say that really, just enjoy who you are, you know, be okay with who you are and that's enough, especially nowadays with social media and stuff. I think you know it's we're so quick to compare ourselves and it's not healthy and we're all brilliant and unique in our own way and we all have something to give and something to bring and and recognizing that and being okay with that absolutely i think that's such a big thing at the moment in theater as well is that um you come you come into this world of there's so many comparisons you know whether it's comparison of a character that you're doing that oh well that person didn't do it like that or that person or comparison of a, a peer or something and i think you know there can be this huge effect on mental health and especially at the moment in kind of lockdown how do you think what do you think that that impact is i mean it's it's huge we don't i don't think we scratch the surface yet i think it's going to be massive i mean i've got two young boys a seven and five year old and i even think of the impact on them of of not being with their friends every day or not having that social development mm. you know they've been looking at screens for a year they've been not seeing their friends and family they've been restricted and you know, told that they can't do something and, and can't go out and touch things and can't, you know, it's, I, I just don't think we've even scratched the surface. And what's been interesting a lot for me is speaking to my friends and peers and, 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 and realizing that it's affecting everybody. You know, you, mental health is, it has been talked about obviously a lot more in, in more recent years, but even people that didn't struggle before have been affected through this pandemic and have, had to you know survive this this time and if if i think about those kind of people then the people that are already struggling i just have no idea i just my heart goes out to them and like i said i just don't think we've scratched the surface of the fallout of it yet we don't know what's going to happen and also it's when 
I think this is going to be a crucial moment when we're going to need the arts, we're going to need escapism, we're going to need support, you know, a place to be open and be free and be different and be unusual and, and have different thoughts and that's okay and a safe place to be. And I think the arts is going gonna, is gonna to be that if it survives. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I'm a teacher of five-year-olds. So, <laughs> you know, you kind of see that impact. And, um, yeah, you see that impact of they've, we've had some that have come back to school and their, their social skills are just not the same as they were. Um, yeah. And it's the same. And I realized that was the same for me as well. I was like, oh my gosh, as an adult, I need, you know, I need to go and see my friends and I need to talk to people outside of my yeah. house. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm quite, I thank, thank my lucky stars that I'm quite a creative person. So I've got lots of things that keep me busy and keep me ticking, but it's, yeah, it's definitely had a, a huge impact on. I mean, those things, those, those kind of first day things anyway, like, you know, if you're going to a new job or you're going to even walking into a restaurant to meet a, a friend or, you know, those things that are outside of your home are, can be tricky on a day-to-day -day basis in a normal time so coming out of this when we haven't done it for so long it's like anything if you don't practice it if you don't do it it becomes a bit of a challenge a bit of an obstacle and and it is going to be different it's going to be difficult I even noticed it with my kids you know when we go to the park I mean they're kind of okay because they're very confident they speak out and they say I miss my friends I miss my school I, I miss you know, why can't everyone come to our house? Even though they register what it is, they don't register. And you see it in the park, you see the social dynamics, you know, even though these kids aren't really meant to be near each other and they're all spread out, you can just see how they're reacting to each other. And some kids will be fine and some kids is gonna take, a, you know, take a, a different route back in. Um, as as adults, you know, we're all gonna find it strange to suddenly get on a, got public transport again and go in, go to a different city or a different town or it's going to be strange. Yeah, absolutely. So last, uh, in a couple of weeks ago in, in the podcast, I was chatting about kind of the effect that the pandemic has had on the arts and things that are coming up, such as live streams and pre-recorded performances. Um, and we were kind of chatting about what kind of their place is, because they've been, I mean, they've been a, a real godsend i think throughout this pandemic that we've had that opportunity yeah. to be able to watch live stream stuff what what do you think the place is for that after as lockdown eases like will we still be seeing live streams what's your kind of take on it well i think that we've still got quite a way to go sadly as much as i don't want to believe it i think that even if we come out of it in some way in the summer and people might do more outdoor performances and socially distanced performances it's still going to take a long time till we're packing theatres and concert halls and you know arenas so I think there's probably still a place for the live stream I mean in the last when we had the when it relaxed a bit in kind of October November um and we were you know you could go to a restaurant or you could go to a venue but it was all distance and they were streaming them as well then. I think that is going to be a version of what we're gonna have moving forward for a little while, because you know there will be people in the room and that makes a massive difference. I did one at the Crazy Cox um, before Christmas and having just even those 40 people spread out in a room and being live streamed made a massive difference. I mean, it was huge. So I think there's, I think there's space for that. I also think with the live streaming, you reach, worldwide you know you, you're reaching an audience that you, we don't always reach um 
I remember at the beginning of the lockdown when I did a couple of live Instagram performances and I remember after a couple I called Brian I was like I think I'm done I don't I don't feel like there's any quality in it I feel like I'm doing the same thing and I'm not moving and it just feels like I've done it now and he said yeah but what you are doing is creating a a worldwide audience you're suddenly tapping into people that couldn't access you before Um, and that's huge and I think there's there's a lot of power in that so I do think the whole live stream thing will continue Um, and I think it will there'll be there'll be some kind of balance there'll be some kind of collaboration between the two I guess what the old school scenario used to be about if we live stream something, then people aren't going to come, you know, they're not going to come to the theatres, they're not going to come to the, um, you know, the, the the events. But I think they will, you know, I think there's nothing like sitting and watching someone live in front of you. It, there's nothing like it. But if you are overseas and you can't get there or you've, then to, to watch it on a live stream is great. But to see the liveness and see the atmosphere of somebody reacting with with people in a room is is electric. There's nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was something that I I noticed as well. And I think for me, it was very apparent. I watched um, the BBC musicals, The Greatest Show, which I know you were in. And um, that for me was incredible. And I was like, yes, great to see some of my great, you know, the the West End performance again. But not having that kind of audience reaction at the end of a song, it just felt really weird. It was weird, wasn't it? It was it, they and it, the thing with that is it wasn't like a Saturday night television program. It wasn't like all oh, the credits come in or the music comes bashing it. It wasn't set up like that. It was really set up like a show. So you did feel the loss of the audience. But I think that was almost more powerful because it made us sit and go, wow, you know, we really aren't in our theatres right now. There is a real problem with our industry at the moment. And and it, it did it did create a loss, you know, it did make you feel something, which is what, for me, what live theatre is all about. It's about making you feel something. So it was very powerful. Lots of people saw it. Lots of people reacted brilliantly to it. And it, I really liked that it was a chance to see and hear musical songs, see people perform. It was a live performance. Um, and to get that reaction from something that wasn't a game show, it wasn't a reality programme, it wasn't a competition. It was literally just people from their craft doing what they do and doing it doing it beautifully. And it was, it was like, I watched it and I don't normally sit and watch something that I've been in, but I wanted to see everybody else and I wanted to support the programme. And it was so magical, it was so moving. I mean, it was the elephant in the room, though, that there was no audience. And it, and we felt that on the day, you know, because one for one, we were turned round. So the audience or the seats were behind us. So we were looking at the back of the theatre to perform. And that was strange, you know, because we couldn't see what you could all see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, for me, it was just joyous to be there and to be singing and back and doing what I do and have a reminder of, oh, this is what I do. Yeah, this is where I'm at, you know, and to scratch that itch if you like it was it was really really great oh so jumping back a little bit um so talking about your albums what are some of your favorite songs that are on your either current or your old albums or yeah i mean it feels like home at the moment has to be the one it's the title song of the album my most recent album and i love it it's the randy newman song and it's just it's so underrated and it was kind of the sum up of, of lockdown, you know, it feels like home, everyone's at home and, you know, finding their way to love and to be and to 
to you know live um so i love that at the moment um again they're all they're all really really special i mean i loved a butterfly it was always a great song for me on anthems i loved it i loved the purity of it and the simplicity of it um that became quite a staple song that i would just always sing um and obviously things like no one but you and gravity they're you know they're big songs that i always sing um because they mean so much and they get a great reaction and you know people know me for that um but i'm really proud of our golden days album because there's loads of original songs on that um and there's lots of stories behind the different songs um so i'm really proud of that and i just don't think it's quite got its exposure yet i think because we didn't tour it it's not reached as far as it can reach yet but um it was interesting when i went to japan not long after releasing it and performed some of the songs out there and people knew what the songs were that was unbelievable <laughs> that's so cool so what's been the hardest thing about lockdown for you not performing absolutely not performing and not working you know to people saying work from home or if you can't work from home you know then you can go in but we still can't go in you know it, that's been the most difficult thing is not doing my job yes I've been creative and kind of channeled my energy into different places like my podcast thank god it's been a lifeline and a couple of home performances and yes the BBC you know I have done things and channeled that energy but the not performing has is the is the biggest one for me. I've never not done it in 20 odd years. You know, I've never had this moment, this amount of time where I haven't performed. And it's such a big part of who I am. Um, yes, I'm a mum and a wife and a daughter and a, um, you know, I'm at home and I'm, I'm a parent. So those kind of things take precedent, but it's it's been so difficult for me to not do what I do and it's been really challenging and and but I'm, and also seeing my friends in pain as well you know looking at lots of my friends and colleagues not being able to do their job and and wondering if they're even going to survive this time and if they're going to get through it and lots of new people as well coming into the industry are they going to survive it's difficult at the, the, at the best of times starting out in this business but to start out when there's no industry must be so difficult and so disheartening um yeah i think yeah yeah is there any advice you've had for like graduates and and theater students coming up into what kind of seems a bit more scary at the moment because of the, the life as it is yeah i mean this is something that i've never experienced and they haven't either in their lives so it's it's very new to me and i don't know what's going to happen um I mean, my only advice to them would be keep keep training, keep doing what you're doing, because when things do open up, we need to be ready. Then producers and casting people aren't going to wait for us to then go, all oh, right, now I'll start training. They're not going to wait. So I would say, you know, be ready. Do your dance classes in your living room. Do your singing classes in your kitchen. You know, do it all because use this time to watch old musicals or, you know, listen to soundtracks and use this time to, to kind of hone your craft because when it does come, it's going to be big. I think, I hope. Um, and yeah, we're not going to have time to, to train then. So do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So what's it, what's it been like for you, like pre lockdown and after lockdown kind of being a parent alongside performing? 
this most stressful thing has been the homeschooling because because obviously we're trying I'm trying to work from home as well I'm teaching online I'm doing my podcast obviously and you know trying to keep some kind of thing going um but then to homeschool as well on top of that and to have the well-being stresses of things like I need to exercise my family need to exercise we need to get the kids out they need to have fresh air they and all of that to fit that in a day is just near impossible so I feel that that is the most difficult part of it it's it's stressful and also your kids don't really want to they don't want to learn from you you know you can sit and teach them well I'm lucky mine are, mine are young so it's you know basic phonics and those kind of little things but there's also the the pressure of we're not teachers you know suddenly we're being thrown into this position of of teaching our own children and people go to college for years to train how to teach to suddenly expect you know all these parents to be able to to teach and communicate and fit it in around their own jobs as well at home it's just it's crazy and it's yeah that's been really tough for us um and yeah like I said home like half term's been great because we've only had to concentrate on me working and um my husband's been working um which is great and then just you know dealing with the kids going outside when we get the the moments you know but adding school in on top I'm not overly looking forward to the next two weeks I mean some of it is lovely like discovering things with them is great and seeing their development and that's lovely but the pressure of it I think has rocked a lot of people actually absolutely I, th- I agree I think it's it's one of the things that we tell our parents that our school it's like you know actually you're not you're not a teacher you haven't trained for it just do what you can when you can and chill out for the rest of the time because it's not it's not worth it it's not worth the stress for you as a parent or the children or you know you do feel for them though you feel for the kids as well you feel like that they're missing so much you know not only the schooling and the education and yes they're getting a bit from home but it's just their social development I think and their their kids should be out doing birthday parties and playing football and playing with their friends and you know discovering what life's all about and I feel like they're just missing so much and yes they you know it's it has to be that way at the moment but it's got it's gone on that long now that I feel like it's going to have an impact um they're going to remember this it's going to influence their life you know that they spent a year well and longer being in a lockdown I mean it's kind of unheard of it's you would never have dreamt it but you know there's going to be a year and a half of your life where you couldn't go anywhere and see anyone I mean it's just bizarre yeah yeah absolutely on the flip side of that what are some good moments that you've seen or experienced through the last year um I've loved how resilient people have been um I've loved how creative people have been I mean thank god for zoom and social media and you know netflix we've all we've all kind of found our way which has been really nice and like i said going back to basics everyone's everyone's kind of getting outside and and going for walks and trying to get online and get be active and those kind of things i think have been brilliant and and kept us all going and it's been amazing how how creative people have been you know they've gone right well can't do this at the moment so we'll do this and people have formed careers in the last year you know people have gone huge with social media accounts and tiktok and and 
it's it's been great to see that. I think it's that's really great, and especially the arts. You know, we are resilient anyway. We're quite resilient as an industry, but we've had to be uber resilient, and it's been amazing to see what people have come up with. Absolutely. Oh, is there anything that you've taken up or done that you normally wouldn't have had the had the time to do? Well, other than the podcast, um, I've written a book, um, which will be out, I think, in the summer. Um, I did an autobiography, which, again, I, I didn't feel I was kind of, I didn't think I was old enough to write one. But then this stopgap, I thought, actually, this is probably a good time to write even the first half, or this is the first half of my life, um, because... I was sat and I had the time to do it. So that was, I would have never have done that if I hadn't have been in this situation. And, and the podcast wouldn't have come in either. Um, I've also got back on my bike. I've loved cycling. I've, I'm taking up, you know, cycling a little bit, which has been a, a nice little thing for me because I used to be really into my yoga and my fitness. And obviously when things like that started to shut down, I found that really difficult to, to channel that so getting on my bike was really good good mental health space got me listening to other people's podcasts um get some air get some exercise you know it ticks a lot of boxes oh cool so as we finish up what's one kind of one word of advice or one thing one thought to leave leave us with that's kind of in your you know, I think at the moment it's, I'm always cup half full and optimistic. And I think we have to be, we have to stay positive. This will be over. We will do this. We can do this. And just to stay positive, find the joy in the small things, you know, get outside, have some fresh air, you know, go for a walk. It's so important and does you so good. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be over soon and we can do this and we'll be all right. It's going to be all right. Good advice. Oh, well, thank you so much. No problem. So now we're going to hear a track sung by Kerry that lots of us will know and love. Here is Defying Gravity. Something has changed within me. Something is not the same. I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game Too late for second guessing Too late to go back to sleep It's time to trust my instincts Close my eyes And leave I cannot change
Just incredible. Uh, just big thank you to Kerry again for giving up her time and coming to chat to us. So as we finish up, here are the answers to our quiz earlier in the show. Number one was Shrek. Number two was Oliver. Number three was My Fair Lady. Number four was Miss Saigon. And number five was Sweeney Todd. How many did you get right? Remember to share your score with us over on our social media platforms. So thank you to everyone for listening in. If this has been your first episode, let us know. Welcome. And make sure you give our previous episodes a listen. If you are a regular listener to our third podcast, um, it's great to have you back. And yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know your favourite parts. And remember, if there's a topic or a special guest or someone you'd like us to talk to, send us a message, send them a message. Um, We want to make it happen. So make sure you tune in next week. We're going to be chatting to Chloe Hart all about body positivity in musical theatre. So see you next week, guys. Remember to stay safe, stay stagey, and most importantly, stay you.
Until next week. Bye. Thank you.